Well, I'm not sure when it started. I've been a Christian now for 35 years. I was saved back in 1995. And David, where are you at? Oh, David, did the boy slip out? Y'all just give me a second here. He's taking something of mine. There it is. In over 35 years that I've been a believer in Jesus Christ, I've taken a hard look at prayer. I was raised like everybody else. That prayer was an opportunity for me to ask God for stuff. And that, please hear me, that is such a valid part of prayer. It really is. I'm not, please don't say, oops, that's invalid because it really is valid. But it really became that. And yeah, I was really confused. Because I I also learned along the journey about prayer, I also learned this, that my God's all-powerful. I learned that my God could do anything. And I, I learned the scripture that said, just ask and you shall receive. Ask what you will in my name and you'll receive it. And yet I also asked in Jesus' name and didn't receive it. And when I've, I've, I've done what you've done. When I've had a crucial need in my life, I would send out the email, which again is a valid thing to do, asking as many people as I could to pray for something. And then I thought and said, but wait a minute, is that like I'm trying to convince God? I thought, like James chapter 1 says, that every good and perfect gift comes down from the Father above. I, if God's good and powerful and loves me, then why do I feel this need to have all these people pray and beg God for something to happen in my life? If He's good like we think He is. Am I trying to persuade God that, that my way might be better than His way? Am I trying to convince Him? And doesn't it seem kind of weird that God would say, okay, if you get 40 people praying in one way, I'll do it? I thought He loved me. And I knew in my heart that there's something more to prayer than just give me, give me, give me. And that's kind of where this series has been born. Perhaps prayer is more than just asking. Perhaps it really is a time of intimacy. Perhaps it is just what we saw last week. Perhaps it's us connecting ourselves with holy God. As the jumper cables on these two batteries are connected, maybe just perhaps it really is transferring from what that is powerful to that which is weak. And just like these two batteries are connected in intimacy, maybe a large part of prayer, not all of it, but maybe a large part of prayer is me being connected to God. So that as I go through life, I have a better understanding, perhaps, and a better trust of what God is doing. If you want to take your Bibles, please, and turn to Matthew chapter 6, we'll kind of go over what was happening last week. It's the Sermon of the Mount, but it's also taught in the book of Luke again. And the case of Luke, you know, a different time, not the same, not the same sermon, but in the case of Luke, the disciples saw Jesus praying. And they came to Jesus and said, Jesus, would you teach us to pray like, like John has taught his disciples. Maybe they looked at Jesus and said, Jesus, you know, we're Jewish boys and we've been praying our life, but we look how we pray and we look how you pray and we don't think we're doing it all the way right. Could, could you, like, teach us to pray? And Jesus did exactly that. And on the Sermon on the Mount, before he actually teaches them how to pray, he lays down some, oh, not conditions, but some, some precursory work. He goes, well, in verse number five, he goes, well, now, when you pray, you shall not be like the hypocrites. In other words, now write this down if you're taking notes, you need to be authentic. 
You need to be honest with God. He can handle it. He can handle it. Later on, when we talk about thy will be done, he can handle it. If you look at him and say, God, I'm just not there. I'm just not ready to pray that. He can handle that. Be authentic. Don't wear the mask with God. You shouldn't wear the mask anyway, but don't wear the mask with God. And for some reason, he really puts an emphasis on location because he says, don't be like the hypocrites because they love to pray standing on the synagogues and on the corners of the streets that they may be seen by men. And he says, now there is a reward for that. And the reward is that they may be seen by men. Men saw them. We applaud and say, there you go. You've got your reward. But Jesus said, now who said that? That's really important. I mean, this is, this is coming from the mouth of our Savior. And I'm, I'm going to be very candid with you. It does fly in the face of a lot of what we've been taught about prayer. But Jesus says, no, no, no. Verse 6. But you... As believers, as authentic believers in Jesus Christ, when you pray, go into your room, and when you have shut your door, pray to your Father who is in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you openly. He says, he says now when you want to pray, if you really want to know how to pray, I want you to go in your room. And, and of course we say, but wait a minute, Dwayne, uh, God, can, can I pray driving down the road? Yes, you can pray driving down the road. Uh, can, can I pray walking on the treadmill? Yes, you can pray walking on the treadmill. But see, what's wrong with those situations? And by the way, again, 1 Thessalonians 5.18, pray without ceasing. There's a place for prayer in motion. I want you to understand that. There, there's a place for praying as you go through life. When you see somebody hurting, just God bless that hurting person. But he says, you, you need to go a step further. You, you need to get in your room. Because when you're driving or you're on the treadmill or you're jogging or you're putting on your makeup or you're shaving or you're showering, whatever it is you do when you now pray, it just doesn't have your whole attention. You just can't focus 100% on me. That's why you've got to have a quiet time. You have that intimacy time with your wife. If you're going to have a successful marriage, we're going to have to find time to be authentic with our spouses. And you've got to do the exact same thing with God. And Jesus said, now who said it? Jesus said it begins with getting away in your private place. Now, he went in the wilderness. If you want to go in the woods and pray, that's cool. He says, find a place, find a closet, find a room where it's just you and God and pray. And what's crazy is he says, now, God, who you can't see, is going to look down in that room. I just prayed it. The creator God, the omnipresent God. The omniscient God, the all-knowing God, the all-powerful God is going to see you in secret. And he who sees in secret will reward you. And the King James says, openly. If you want to pray. And then Jesus kind of threw us another negative and said this. He said, and now, now when you pray, do not use vain repetitions as the heathen do, for they think that they may be heard for their many words. Jesus says it's not about a rote system of words. <laughs> we had several jokes this week about lead, guide, and direct. You know, oh great heavenly Father. You know, don't don't think that that don't think that there's a certain formula you got to use. In fact, he says this: these guys think they should be heard for their many words. Jesus even says this: it's not how long you pray; it's the condition of your heart. It's not like somehow you have a special access to God if you somehow manage to carve out two hours of your day and go into a room and pray. Jesus says it's not that at all. He says, in fact, in verse number 8, 
He says, therefore, do not be like them, for your father knows the things you have need of him before you ask him. I mean, it's important to let him know, but, but don't let that be the main focus of your prayer. Instead, let it be this intimate connection with him. And we're going to see through the Lord's prayer, the model prayer, exactly how that plays out. How this connected to this. How God connected to me. How that can develop into a very powerful prayer life. So then Jesus says, He says, in this manner, therefore pray. Um, Holman Christian Standard says somebody else. So when you pray, pray like this. Now, I think it's important. I, I wrestled this week. We were on vacation this week out in New Mexico. Phenomenal week. I just wish I had time to tell you about it. But I... I, I thought a whole lot about what I was going to say today. Every day, every morning, and every day throughout the day. And I, I see in the Lord's Prayer, in almost every word and certainly every phrase, there's something there. And I didn't want to teach something that was over the top. I didn't want to teach something that was not implied. But then I got this thought. In these few words, Jesus gives us a very good example of how to pray. I mean, he easily, for instance, could have said, in this manner, therefore, pray. Father, hallowed be your name. But he didn't. He threw in the word, our. He, he indicated where the Father was, in heaven. And I don't believe that's by accident. So notice when he says, in this manner, or when you pray, pray like this. Our Father. I want you to grasp something really quick. Get this. This confirms the fact that Jesus is not against corporate prayer because he uses the words, our, our Father. Jesus wasn't negating the power of corporate prayer when he teaches us to pray. Instead, he's simply saying that we can pray privately and corporately in this same way. Therefore, pray. Now, why is prayer so important? Have you figured out, have I danced around enough where you figured it out? Because the most important thing to a believer is our vibrant relationship with God. Listen, look, if you get your sermon sheet out, look on the bottom of the page what E.M. Bounds says. No learning, no learning can make up for the failure to pray. No earnestness, no diligence, no study, no gifts will supply its lack. The reason prayers is so important is because it undergirds, it strengthens our relationship with God. And on that rest, everything we believe about God and practice about God in our daily walk. So he says, in this manner, pray. And then there's that word, our. Our. Regardless of what translation you use, did you know something about those pronouns? Every one of them are plural. Again, Jesus could easily said, when you pray, pray this way, my Father. But he didn't. He said, our Father. And something we don't seem to understand is that we are united in a body of Christ. That when Judy and I function as a team, because we are one flesh, so as a body of believers, we are one flesh in Christ. We are one body in Christ. Our Father. And Jesus is saying that relationships are so vitally important. 
He's saying it's so important that you understand that you cannot pray to the Father effectively until your relationship with your brothers and sisters is right. Before you can pray vertically in intimacy with God, you've got to have the horizontal part right too. And be able to say, Our Father, give us, give us this day our daily bread. Has it ever struck you guys as weird? That in John 17, right before Jesus dies on the cross, the high priestly prayer of Jesus Christ, He says, God, there's one thing that's really important. Would you please make these people one, even as you and I are one? Isn't it radical to think that when Jesus was hours away from the cross, the one thing He prays for is that we would be one in the body of Christ? And then He tells us why. That the world might know that I am. And yours. Our Father. In Matthew 5, 23 through 24. And I've got several scriptures. And I want you to know something. I, I told Judy this. I am so compelled to give you a lot of scripture. It's not to fill the time. Because I think y'all figured out I preach way too long anyway. It's because I don't think you care. And should you care a whole lot of what your pastor says. But you should desperately care what God's word says. And here's what God's Word says. Therefore, if you bring your gift to the altar, and there remember that your brother has something against you, leave your gift, therefore, before the altar, and go your way. First be reconciled to your brother, and then come and offer your gift. Jesus says this relationship thing is so huge. So, so when you get to praying, our Father, realize that if there's something between you and a brother... You need to fix it. Now, in my opinion, I'll be honest with you, in my opinion, if that's something totally in your heart, that's something you can fix maybe before God. God, you know I'm wrong. I feel this way about a person. And God, I'm sorry for that. I turn from that. I repent of that. But if it's something public, like if I walked up to Troy and said, Troy, you're the ugliest man I ever saw. Probably... I need to go to Troy personally, face-to-face, and say, Troy, you're not the ugliest person I ever saw. Second, but not first. No, no. I would have to go to Troy. So when something needs to be fast publicly done publicly, it needs to be face-to-face. When something's between you and God, perhaps it can be done. But the important thing is you deal with the relationships. God, Jesus did not accidentally put the word our in the Lord's Prayer. Our horizontal relationships. Our Father, our Father. Is He? Is He what? Is He Father? Bailey Smith got in a whole bunch of trouble one day. Bailey Smith is a former president of the Sun Baptist Convention, one of our big dog preachers of days gone by. He said this because he got in trouble because he said God did not hear the Jews, the prayers of a, a lost Jew, a lost man. He really stirred the pot. He's probably right. I've often said that, that at, at minimum, God may choose to answer your prayer, but he certainly, because he's not father, is obligated to hear your prayer. Like if, if hope or faith comes to me and says, Paul, Paul, can you give me this? And if, predict if it's food or something, I'm going to feel obligated because I'm her Paul Paul 
But if your child comes to me and says, Brother Dwayne, would you? I may choose to, but there's not an obligation there. So is God your father? If not, would you, wouldn't you like to know how to call God Father? It's so cool because it's not like, okay, in order to call God Father, you've got to be rich. You've got to be light-skinned. You've got to speak English. It's like so far from the truth. To call God Father begins with a relationship through His Son, Jesus Christ. The Bible says that every one of us has sinned, and that sin separates us from God. And that the wages of sin is death. But then he says this. The gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. In other words, if we will receive the gift of forgiveness through Jesus Christ, believing He's the Son of God, believing He died, resurrected, and is coming again on the, on the, someday in the future, then we can have a relationship with God. And we can call Him Father. It's not about a giant scale. It's not about there somewhere saying, well, God, I can call God Father if I do more good than bad. It's not if your name's on some Baptist church roll. God could care less if you're Baptist. But He desperately cares what you do with His Son, Jesus Christ. Jesus will determine where you spend eternity, either in heaven or in a place called hell, separated from God forever. But if you receive Christ... Repenting of your sins, turning from your sins, and making a commitment to Him to follow after Him, then you have a high privilege. And that is to call Jesus, or excuse me, call God Father. Our Father. Where I'm from the South, and there's a couple things. I never called my father the old man, not live to tell about it. Nor did I really call my, my father daddy. I, I don't know if it's because I was a southern boy growing up in the south. I mostly called my father sir. And I mean that too. I did. Dwayne, yes sir. Rarely was that intimacy. And when Jesus uses that term father, it indicates there's a level of respect. And we should respect our father. We should not use his name loosely. The man upstairs. He is worthy of our respect. And that's being lost today. But there's something even deeper and better than that. And that's when you hook up that word as Paul did in Romans. Abba, Father. When you hook up those words where he did in Galatians chapter 4. Abba, Father. Like you did when Jesus did in the Garden of Simeon and Mark chapter 14, where he cries out, he's praying over the cross. Lord, if there's, Father, if there's any way that, that we can have forgiveness of sin except by the cross, Father, please let it happen that way. But if not, thy will be done. And he addresses his father as Abba, Father. Listen to the Galatian scripture. It says this. But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth His Son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law, that we might receive the adoption as sons. And because you are sons, God has sent forth the Spirit of His Son into your hearts, crying out, Abba, Father. Does anyone remember what that means? Daddy. Oh, Daddy. I've got one daughter, and I'm not sure why, but through the years, most of the, hey, Dad... 
But one of my daughters has always called me Daddy. And it's just a special term of endearment. And I think part of this learning to connect with God, for us connecting with God, is beginning to understand that He is my Father, but He is my Daddy. A Daddy who loves me very much. A Daddy who loved me enough that He sent His own Son, Jesus, to die for me. How personal and how powerful is that? Jesus, in His darkest hour, cries out, Daddy. And that is so beautiful. And God wants us to come to relationship with an intimacy and a knowledge of Him so much that we truly understand that much as He is Creator God. And see, the, again, the, the Muslim faith is so far from this. The Old Testament Jews had no concept of this. That as much as He is Creator God, He is not only my Father, He is my Daddy. And my Daddy loves me. And my Daddy cares for me. And today, listen to me. Some of you are going through terrible times in your life right now. Death has struck some of your families. Some of you are facing terminal illness of a mama or a daddy. Some of you are in a marriage that simply is falling apart and crumbling before you. And the one thing you need to hear from your pastor today and from the Word of God is that there's a God in heaven and He's your Heavenly Father, but He is your daddy and He cares. And that is part of the prayer that we begin understanding who God is. And what is this intimacy? Our Father, who art in heaven. In heaven. In heaven. See, that's positional. He, God, Jesus wants to make sure we understand that when we pray in this intimacy, that we serve the one true God in heaven. He's not a God among many. Many, He is the God. He is the God of heaven and earth. Our Father in heaven. And now watch this. Watch this. Not only is He the Father in heaven of respect, but He's got a heavenly perspective. This week, Tuesday I had all day to myself. Judy was in meetings in New Mexico, and I'm up driving in the mountains. On a whim, I just turned off on a dirt road, a gravel road, came to a trailhead where it's, you know, it's, there's a parking place. I just got out, and it said 1.3 miles. We're at 9,000 feet, so I didn't want to walk too far because, believe me, you don't have a lot of air. And I started walking. And I got about a half a mile into the woods. And the trail's pretty well marked. But I said to myself, Okay, so Judy doesn't know where I am. In fact, nobody in this whole world knows where I am. I don't have my cell phone. If I did, there's no signal anyway. It doesn't matter. What would have happened if I got lost? How long would it be before they found me? And I thought and said, well, you know, I could climb a tree. Particularly if there's a bear after you. You could climb a tree. Why would you climb? If you've ever been lost, why would you climb a tree? To get a different perspective. 
And I wonder if Jesus is saying when we proclaim our Father in heaven, He's saying, remember this, your daddy who loves you, your daddy who sent Jesus to die for you, your daddy who cares you've lost your your loved one, your daddy who cares your mom and your dad are sick and dying, your daddy who cares that you don't have an electric bill, Your, your daddy who cares that you're hurting, just might have a different perspective. I, I refer to the scripture very often, and I want to refer to it one more time today. But I want to go just a little bit further. Listen carefully. Isaiah 55, 8 through 11, instead of 8 and 9. God, through his prophet, says, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, nor are your ways my ways, says the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways. I have a different perspective, he says. And my thoughts and your thoughts. Now listen carefully. For as the rain comes down and the snow from heaven and do not return there, but water the earth and make it bring forth and bud, that may give seed to the sower and bread to the eater, so shall my word be that goes forth from my mouth. It shall not return to me void, but it shall, be accomplished, it shall accomplish what I please and it shall prosper in the thing for which I sent it to do. Is it possible that your all-loving, all-knowing Heavenly Father has a plan? And His plan, if we allow it to, and in intimacy with our Daddy, transferring His intimacy to us, is it possible that that plan is something better than than we ever could conceive? Is it possible that He has a perspective that we don't have? Is it possible that, that He, when, when we pray for a healing that doesn't come in the way we think it will come, that He has a different plan? Could it be that when we pray for a job and that job doesn't come through, could it possibly He has a better plan? Could it be that, that He is so much wiser than we are? Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be Thy name. Great is thy name. Awesome is your name. One of the psalmists said, Oh, magnify the Lord with me. So Jesus says, when you pray, pray like this. And it's not a formula. That's why he says, pray like this. It's not a magic set of words. He's saying, this is, kind of, this is a formula in the sense of, this is what you ought to pray about. Our Father who art... In heaven, hallowed be thy name. Great is your name. Magnified is your name. Now, I'll tell you what. We want to rush right by this. We want to get down to, okay, God, bless me, give me, do it, do my thing, do your thing. What are we going to do? Do, 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 God. We run right past this. And listen, if the, one of the big verses of prayer is listening, connecting with God. If part of it is intimacy with God and we miss this, it undermines our whole day. Have any of you ever encountered the fact that when you miss your prayer time in the morning, your day just doesn't go quite as well. Can I see a show of hands? When you forget to pray? Yeah. And you know what I used to think? I thought it was just like, well, I forgot to pray. I've learned it. I don't have my intimacy time with God. 
That's why my day doesn't go well. I've not spent time with my daddy. Ask him to guide my steps. And then two hours later, when I'm sitting inside the road with a flat tire, I'm saying, God, why'd you allow that to happen? But maybe at the end of these time, I, I might remember to say, but God, you're God. And God, your plan's better than my plan. And perhaps your plan is a flat tire or baked beans on an arm. Or maybe an illness. Or maybe the loss of a job. Now, I'm going to go ahead and stop here. And tell you, we're not going to finish this today. didn't have any plans to. I'm really hoping tonight that the business meeting will short enough that we can finish this up tonight. If not, we'll catch it next Sunday morning. Because it's so important that one thing God wants us to do is teach us to depend on Him. To lean on Him. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed, great is Your name. Could, could I encourage you to do something? What would happen, do you think, in your prayer time? If you took some of the Psalms, perhaps, and read them back to God, how would it be in your, your prayer time, you know, before you, you get into the this and that and, and do this and don't do that thing, maybe just paused and prayed back the Word of God? Listen to this. Oh, sing to the Lord a new song. Sing to the Lord all the earth. Sing to the Lord, bless His name, proclaim the good news of His salvation from day to day. Declare His glory among the nations, His wonders among all the people. For the Lord is great. And you can personally say, but God, you are great and greatly to be praised. You, is, you are to be feared above all gods. For all the gods of the peoples are idols. But you have made the heavens. Honor and majesty are yours. Strength and beauty are in your sanctuary. Give, Father, I give to you. O families of the peoples, give to the God glory and strength. Give to the Lord the glory due His name. Bring an offering and come into His courts. O worship the Lord in the beauty of holiness. Tremble before Him all the earth. Say among the nations the Lord reigns. The world also is firmly established. He shall not be moved. He shall judge the peoples righteously. Let the heavens rejoice and let the earth be glad. Let the seas roar in all its fullness. Let the field be joyful in all that is in it. Then all the trees of the woods will rejoice before the Lord. For He is coming. For He is coming to judge the earth. He shall judge the world with righteousness and the peoples with His truth. What if we were to take time and pray that back to God? Would they help you worship some? Well, Dwayne, how long does that take? How long you got? How much time you want to spend telling God how great He is? And the reciprocal benefit is that as I tell God how great He is, I start believing how great He is. And those things I want to get to the Lord and pray about seem to get smaller as He gets bigger. Can I have an amen? That's why this is the way you understand. I don't do this. Well, son, Jesus is the one who said, if you want to pray, this is how you pray. Now, if it was coming from Billy Graham, I'd say, well, Billy may be wrong. But our Father says, our Daddy says, spend time getting to know me, trust in me, and believe in me. As much as you do that, it's going to prepare you for what's next. Because look what comes next. In this manner, pray, therefore, our Father in heaven, hallowed be thy name. 
Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. This is where we go, whoa! Wait, <laughs> wait now. What, 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 what's it? Your will be done? We kind of want to push back from that. Because let's be honest. Can we be honest? We've got in our brains pretty much what we want God to do. If there's a promotion up for grabs, that'll mean more money. We want God to give us the promotion. If our marriage isn't all we want to do, we want God to fix the marriage. Hope He does. But as much as we believe and magnify God, it helps us. Look what it says. Your kingdom come. Write this down. This is a missional statement. See, the kingdom of God is not a place. Come on, stay with me, guys. The kingdom of God is not a place. There's coming a time when Jesus Christ will reign on this earth sometime in the future. When when Jesus said, your kingdom come, he's talking about something different. Write this down. The kingdom of God is equal to the rule of God. When it talks about the kingdom of God, it's talking about the rule of God. May God rule on the earth. Your kingdom come. Now, this is so cool. Don't miss this. In its simplest form, God's rule is in my heart. In its simplest form, the day I received Jesus Christ as Savior, God set up His kingdom in my life. And I invite Him to be the king of my life, to rule. The way we bring, listen Stormy, the way we bring God's kingdom to earth is by winning people to the kingdom. What's the church about? What's the church about? Why did God leave Dorisville Baptist Church on this street at this time? To tell others about Jesus Christ. And every time someone enters the kingdom, we are saying, your kingdom come. Every time. It's missional. But it's also invitational. Part of this intimacy with my daddy is I invite my father my daddy, to be the king of my life. It's invitational. Father, God, your kingdom come. I want your rule in my life. Can I ask you a question? How would your life change if you did that? Would you make some different decisions in your life if, if you had finally said, God, you rule in my life. You're smarter than me. You're more powerful than me. You know the whole plan. You're looking down from heaven. You can see everything from that perspective. How would it change your marriage? How would it change some of the stupid choices that we've all made? Especially concerning sin. If we said, God, your kingdom come. You set your rule up. Your kingdom come. It's missional. It's invitational. And when we allow that to happen, it sets up for your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. If you believe that, if you believe that Jesus spoke these words, then we've got to be really careful how we do pray. Because when we start saying, God, this is what I want, it flies in the face of what Jesus taught. But when I 
see my father, my God, my father, and my daddy. And I believe that he loves me, in fact, so much that he sent his son Jesus to die for me. And I start believing that he knows exactly what is best for me. When I believe that, I can open and say, okay, God, Father, Daddy, your deal over mine. I may not understand it, but I'm willing to trust you. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. How long does that take? Depends on where you are. Some of the some of the prayers that Jesus prayed were like way short. Have you ever thought about this? The night before Jesus was facing the cross, he agonized in the garden all night long. And you know what he agonized with? Father, I know what lies ahead. And there's a horrible physical death waiting for me. And in that process, every sin that I, I'm sorry, every sin that man has committed will be placed on me. Now, Father, Daddy, if there is any way for that forgiveness to happen besides the cross, then let's, let's, let's do that. But nevertheless, your will, not mine. Does it bring you some comfort that Jesus prayed about that all night long? Amen? If the heavenly Son of God wrestled with that, is it okay if we wrestle with it? Yeah. But take some time. The reason Jesus came, watch this, the reason Jesus came victorious out of the Garden of Gethsemane was he knew his father and called him daddy and had an intimate relationship with him as the son of God. And because of that, he could say, nevertheless, not my will, but thine. The surrender part. The surrender part. So can I ask you a couple questions? First off, do you think this would change the way we pray? Let me tell you this. It'll change the way you live. If you had this intimacy with God, spent every day with Him, talking face to face, praying back the Word of God, acknowledging who He is, it will change the way you live. In a wonderful way. Let me ask you a couple questions. Is He? Is He what, Dwayne? Is He Father? Now listen. I don't care if you go to church three times a week. I don't care if you've got your name on six church, local churches on their roll somewhere. I don't care how many times you've been dumped. I don't care if this is the first time you've been in church or the fourth time this week you've been in church. Has there been a time in your life when you made a commitment to Jesus Christ, receiving His forgiveness by God's grace, and committed to making Him the sovereign the king 
of your life. If you have never done that, and this may be your first time in church, awesome. We would like to invite you to know Jesus Christ and God the Father in that way. Doesn't mean you'll get wealthy. Doesn't mean you'll never have a problem. But you'll never again face life alone. But one scripture says, you'll have a friend that sticks closer than a brother. In just a few moments, I'm going to be standing right down here. And I've got some friends who will be down here with me. And we would like to take this book that we believe is the Word of God and show you what God's Word says specifically about knowing God as Father and being able to call Him Daddy. Is He Father? And secondly, this. How is it? Have you reached a point in your life? Now listen. Have you reached a point in your relationship with your daddy that you can say, your deal over mine? It may not be what I like. I may not even want it. But I recognize that you are my sovereign, my father. And as my daddy, you love me. And I trust you. I trust. Trust you. Can I just throw out one little piece because some of y'all won't hear the rest of this message unless I get in the next week. And that is this. So, Father, you know my marriage is in trouble. And this is where the give me part comes in. I'm trusting, I'm depending on you to do what you see fit for my marriage, for my spouse. I'm depending on you to watch over my mom and dad's last days. I'm depending on you to somehow meet my need of next month's rent or this month's light bill. I'm depending on you. Thy will be done. And you know what, God? If they turn my lights off, you're still God. If my mom and dad live or die, you're still God. If my marriage falls apart, you're still God. Because God, I'm Leaning on you. When he says yes, I'm trusting. When he says no, I'm trusting. And when he says nothing at all, it seems, I'm still trusting. Would you bow your heads right there where you are? I know that this is not one of those jump up and down, scream, shout, everybody clap messages. But when I think that Jesus taught this 2,100 years ago and was so clear and specific, how important it must be. I, as a pastor and your friend, and you watch my life too, but I, I observe your life and I see the struggles that you wrestle with and the pains you go through. We've cried together. We've laughed together. We've shook our heads together and said, God doesn't make any sense. Could it be that as we spend time in our closet in prayer, praying like this, not this rote words, not this formula, but praying like this, that will radically change our lives? I believe it will. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. 
Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. My Father, I want to thank you for the privilege of mine to share your word today. Father, I prayed earlier that we would come to your banquet table hungry. That, Father, we would so crave something more of you than we have now. And that being that intimacy, that trust, that faith, that imagery of you as our Father, but our Daddy. And so, Father, now I pray for these under the sound of my voice, both on the radio and in this sanctuary. Father, we'd be able to grasp this truth. And may it radically change our relationship with you. But our time in the closet, when we're alone with you. Father, it's, it's a step forward because we're being challenged to trust you. To depend on you. For some, we're being challenged today to by faith believe in a God they can't see. And the Son of God who they never met. That they might come to relationship with you. Oh God. Oh God. Oh God. Have your way in our lives today. And Jesus, I pray this in your name.